After more than a year in the hazy uncertainty of the COVID-19 pandemic, the day finally came that I could get the first dose of the vaccine. My hands shook as I walked over to the pharmacy and took a seat next to the person who was going to give me, perhaps, the most important and anticipated shot of my entire life. Just like that, the needle was in and out of my arm. It happened. Finally. In that moment, as I held that little white card in my shaking hand, I thought about hugging my grandma in a nursing home. I thought about seeing my friend's band play live. I thought about traveling up to Ohio to walk through museums with my sister and going to watch my brother DJ in a crowded Austin bar. I thought about actually getting to celebrate my birthday this summer and sharing a meal with people I love inside an actual restaurant and how utterly insane it is that I've been driving around with styrofoam cups full of margaritas from my favorite local Mexican joint for a whole freaking year now. I thought about all of these things. And also, I thought, I need to take a selfie. If your social media feeds look anything like mine right now, you're probably seeing more and more of these white card selfies with a rolled up sleeve and a smiling face, partially obscured by a mask. As COVID-19 vaccines have become more readily available and more people have become eligible to get the shot, the vaccine selfie has really taken off. I know what I'm about to say is going to be shocking, but people on the internet disagree about whether or not we should be posting vaccine selfies. Critics of the vaccine selfie say that it highlights the inequities of a healthcare system that makes it easier for people who already have reliable access to healthcare to get vaccinated than those who don't have access. Others caution that vaccine selfies are impolite as they can trigger FOMO among people who really want a vaccine but are waiting to become eligible or for there to be an adequate supply where they live. If it's such a bad look to mix cameras and vaccines, why are so many celebrities, public officials, and healthcare workers getting vaccinated on camera or sharing photos of their vaccination on social media? Why do some public health officials challenge the vaccine selfie criticism and go on record to argue that posting a vaccine selfie is a public service, as Britt Trogan, a pediatric resident working in New York, stated in an article that ran in The Atlantic. According to Richard Barron, the president and chief executive of the American Board of Internal Medicine, medical professionals should post vaccine selfies and affirming messages such as, I got vaccinated and you should too. What we're witnessing with vaccine selfies is the power that images exert on social norms. Humans are hardwired to pay attention to the actions of other humans. When those humans are people we look up to, like Dolly Parton or Jonathan Van Ness or Dr. Fauci, we can be persuaded to change our attitudes towards something that might otherwise be kind of scary, like a vaccine. That attitude shift can then change our behavior. When our favorite celebrity posts a vaccine selfie and a link to check eligibility requirements in our state, it might be just the push we need to make an appointment and get the shot. Social norms aren't only established by celebrities. We're also super influenced by the people close to us, our family and friends. So when our friend who's a nurse posts her vaccine selfie with the caption, I got vaccinated and you should too, we can see her relief in her face in the photo and might be inspired to find a vaccination site nearby. Manipulating social norms for the public good is not new. 
even in the realm of vaccines. Elvis Presley was photographed in 1956 as he received the polio vaccine. This has been a thing for a while. But if images, especially selfies, can be such powerful drivers of human behavior in a good way, can social norming selfies also have negative consequences? Welcome back to another episode of Outside Influence, a podcast that explores how politics, culture, and the media shape our outdoor experiences. My name is Michelle Presley, and today we're going to be talking about selfies in the outdoors. More specifically, we're going to be examining a category of selfie that's become a really important area of study in media research in the past few years called kilfies. These are selfies where the subject tragically died in the quest to achieve the perfect shot. Many times, kilfies happen in the outdoors since mountain climbing, cliff diving, and base jumping are all really popular but really risky behaviors that generate a ton of attention on social media. But is the attention worth dying for? If social norming through selfies can inspire hesitant people to get a potentially life-saving vaccine, what kind of effect do selfies that put the selfie taker in a precarious or risky position have on all of us who are scrolling social media every day? What happens when young kids only see the cool photos without any kind of warning about the danger behind some of those shots? I think it can be really easy to say, well, this type of thing doesn't happen all that frequently, There are just a few instances of people being really dumb and getting themselves killed for something as trivial as a selfie. But what happens when we blame the individual people killed in Kilfies for being stupid and risky for a photo and don't take a wider look at the pattern of the problem? We can lose out on the chance to examine how dangerous selfies could be negatively shaping social norms. And we would be immediately writing off any potential solutions that could be put in place to save lives in the future. First, I'll give some brief examples of kilfies to highlight the seriousness of the problem. We're not going to be discussing anything super graphic, but these stories do involve people being hurt and killed, so please proceed with caution with this episode if that's something that may affect your mental peace. Then, we'll start to zoom out and look at the ways social media's attention economy and its stranglehold on social norms can lead to this kind of risky behavior. And we'll finally explore some possible solutions that may be clouded by the assumption that kill fees are just a result of narcissism or stupidity. I first started reading some of the academic literature about kill fees when I was working on my master's thesis. I was shocked both at how many people had died as a result of taking a selfie, and also how robust this body of literature is. There's actually a decent amount of data out there about this problem. A 2018 report found that 259 people had died taking selfies between 2011 and 2017. While 259 deaths over a seven-year period may not sound excessive, selfie-related fatalities are on the rise. In 2011, there were only three. But in 2017, that number had shot up to 93, which is a pretty troubling trend. These selfie-related deaths are usually sensationalized in the media, Consider the stories of people like Canadian rapper John James McMurray, who died in 2018 after crawling out onto the wing of a Cessna while filming a music video. Or the much-publicized deaths of travel bloggers Meenakshi Murthy and Vishnu Vishwanath, who are believed to have fallen to their deaths while taking a selfie in Yosemite National Park's Taft Point. Or Tamar Frankfurter, an 18-year-old from Jerusalem who died in Yosemite while reportedly taking a selfie at Nevada Fall. 
There were also the three stars of High on Life, a popular YouTube thrill-seeking adventure travel show, who fell to their deaths at a waterfall in British Columbia. In March of 2019, another man fell a thousand feet to his death while attempting to take a selfie on the rim of the Grand Canyon. A lot of these selfie-related fatalities have happened in national parks or other outdoor recreation settings, which is why I think that it's a topic worth coverage on this show. People taking photos of themselves or the places that they choose to go when they recreate outdoors has been a contentious point of discussion, especially in the past several years. I've personally noticed comments on photos that seem to imply that if people are taking selfies or want to show themselves looking good while they're engaging in outdoor recreation, that they're either really narcissistic or somehow not doing the outdoors right, or maybe a little bit of both. The anonymity afforded by the internet has allowed would-be gatekeepers to sit behind a keyboard and suggest that if you're taking a selfie on a hike, that you miss the whole point of the experience. Even though capturing that photo maybe took a minute out of a potentially hours-long hike. That's always been something that has struck me about this whole conversation. People online catch so much hate for taking a photo on a trail. They're told they're not a real hiker or not a real outdoors person because they engaged in that behavior. But they had to do the hike to take the photo, didn't they? They had to get to that location somehow. So I guess I'm not understanding what's not real about it. The question of whether the selfie taker did it just for the gram, I think is also interesting because like, so what if they did? Really? Would that be the worst thing? It's an honest question. As long as people aren't harming themselves, others, or the landscape, is there really anything wrong with going outdoors to take photos? After all, there are people who have based their whole livelihoods around outdoor adventure photography. Why does the tide of public opinion start to turn when anyone can become an adventure photographer with the phone in their pocket? I think the deaths of the travel bloggers, Morthy and Vishwanath, especially show how dismissive the public response can be when people die as a result of taking photos in places like Yosemite. Posts about the couple's death received lots of criticism about how the couple was reckless or vain for taking risks for a selfie, when it's not even clear that that's really how they died. Immediately after the accident, Vishwanath's brother, Jishnu Vishwanath, said that the couple may have been taking a selfie. The park service found a camera and tripod where Morthy and Vishwanath fell. But then, a few months later, Jishnu, who resides in Australia, announced on Facebook that he was done talking to the media, saying that the news of the couple's death had been filled with too much misinformation. Assumptions about inexperience or stupidity run rampant as the armchair internet crowd questions how people could be so careless to literally die for a photo. But it's important to note that inexperience or unnecessary risk-taking behaviors aren't always to blame. After all, seven months before she died, Morthy posted a photo of herself sitting on the rim of the Grand Canyon on the Instagram account, Holidays and Happy Ever Afters. Part of the caption read, So today on hashtag social media badass tribe, we are talking about the limits of hashtag do it for the gram. Yeah, sure, it can be limitless, but guys, we really need to have the boundaries. This is handy as life lessons too, but we'll revisit this later. A lot of us, including yours truly, 
is a fan of daredevilry attempts of standing at the edge of cliffs and skyscrapers. But did you know that wind gusts can be fatal? Is our life worth just one photo? So that's the end of the caption. And I think this caption shows that we all would like to believe we know better. We can assume that the people who die taking selfies just don't know the risks or don't care about them in the quest for the perfect Instagram photo. But Morthy's post seems to fly in the face of that assumption. Or maybe we assume that we're more capable hikers or climbers and that this could never happen to us because of our skills and experience. But that doesn't seem to be totally true either. This point is really driven home by the heartbreaking story of Gigi Wu, an experienced hiker and mountaineer from Taiwan. Wu ran wildly successful Facebook and Instagram accounts that featured photos of herself on the summits of more than 100 of Asia's most impressive peaks, always in a bikini. The images are a striking juxtaposition of beauty and ruggedness. Wu seems both out of place and totally at home all at once in her bikini at each snow-capped summit. Wu's followers seem to love the way she struck balance between the climbing and the bikini personas. Haters filled the comments to question why Wu would be so stupid as to climb in scanty swimwear. But actually, she didn't. Like a totally normal and rational mountaineer, she packed her bikini in her backpack along with her satellite phone, first aid kit, and other supplies. This woman was no joke. She was experienced and prepared. Definitely not stupid, and definitely not unskilled at mountaineering. In January 2019, Wu embarked upon a solo multi-day hike through Taiwan's Yishnu National Park. While attempting a summit in the park's central mountain range, she fell an estimated 65 feet and landed in a remote ravine. After the fall, she contacted friends with her satellite phone and reported that she was unable to move the lower half of her body. Emergency responders were notified, but challenging weather conditions made it difficult to get into the ravine. After several failed helicopter attempts to reach her, rescuers set out on foot. Wu, who was fully clothed, wrapped herself in an emergency blanket and tried to stay hydrated. According to Hong Kong's TVB news channel, she wrote in her journal and penned quick notes to loved ones. It would take the search and rescue team 43 hours to reach Wu. By the time they arrived, it was too late. Unfortunately, Wu had died, most likely from hypothermia or internal injuries or a combination of both. I wanted to share this story because it maybe challenges some of the prevailing assumptions about kill fees. That the people who take them are stupid or inexperienced or take unnecessary risks for a photo. If Wu wasn't a social media personality, would her death have been so co-opted by people on the internet to share these kinds of sentiments? I think when we're talking about Wu's story, it's also important not to ignore the role that gender plays in the conversation around kill fees. Usually, stories of kill fees are accompanied by claims of narcissism, that the person died taking a photo because they were just way too into themselves. The intersection of narcissism and selfies is also a fairly rich area for study in the social media literature, with scholars finding that women are much more likely than men to be called narcissistic for taking selfies. Anne Burns, in a 2015 journal article titled Selfie Discipline, Social Regulation as Enacted Through the Discussion of Photographic Practice, argues that selfies are looked down upon because they're something that women do, which leads to the circular broken logic that 
women are narcissistic because they take selfies, and selfies are narcissistic because women take them. Unfortunately, this discourse usually never makes it out of the academic journals and into the mainstream discussion about kilfies, because the media treats kilfies as a flash in the pan, nothing more than an isolated incident of vanity and stupidity that causes a one-off opportunity for a clickbaity story with headlines like, selfies kill more people than sharks this year. But when these stories are oversimplified and sensationalized in this way, we become blinded to the larger issues of how gender influences our perception of what it means to be outdoorsy, or some potential blind spots in how we perceive risk in the outdoors. The fact remains that in individualistic cultures like ours in the United States, we heavily reward potentially risky pursuits. What better way to get some clout than summiting a mountain or posing for a selfie with a shark on a dive? After all, almost 10 million people viewed Felix Baumgartner's skydive from space when it was streaming live on YouTube. And Free Solo, the documentary that followed Alex Honnold on the first ever solo climb of El Cap, it won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. Collectively, we can't get enough of people taking risks in the outdoors. And this, of course, has bled into social media with risky, but undeniably cool shots, racking up hundreds of thousands of likes. But we're really selective about what's a good reason to take a risk and what isn't. Apparently, being sponsored by Red Bull to jump out of a helium balloon in the stratosphere is a good reason. But taking a selfie? Meh. And we're much less forgiving when the person taking the risk happens to be a woman. But here's the real kicker. That 2018 report I mentioned earlier that quantified the number of selfie-related deaths between 2011 and 2017, that report also found that men accounted for nearly three-quarters of the selfie-related deaths, while women made up just about 27%. And it's not even just that our culture rewards this risky behavior, but humans in general just simply aren't the best perceptors of risk. You probably know this from your friend that's been engaging in some questionable behavior since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, but assures you that it's fine and nothing could possibly happen to them. If we really knew and internalized how risky it is to go on about our daily lives, we probably couldn't function. So to adapt, people have gotten really pretty good at ignoring or rationalizing risk. And if we add social norms back into the mix, you get the perfect storm of, they did it, so I can too. I think now's a good time to circle back to those social norms and the social media conversation that we're having at the beginning of the episode. If vaccine selfies are social norming on social media gone right, then kill fees are social norming gone completely and tragically wrong. When we fail to pull on the more systemic strings that connect kill fees, we fail to consider strategies and solutions that could literally save someone's life. There are two main avenues I think that make sense to explore for implementing possible solutions for the kill fee problem. Some people suggest that we need to make national parks and other risky places like overlooks and waterfalls selfie-free zones or have increased park staff presence to regulate would-be kill fee takers. But... As we know from our look into public lands policy in the Biden's Plan for Public Lands episode, many parks are underfunded and struggling enough as it is to manage increased visitorship in challenging budgetary constraints. 
We also know that people aren't the most reliable at following the rules or understanding risk. We all think that things like this will never happen to us. So let's consider that our culture rewards risky behavior in the outdoors, and social media helps to establish social norms, be they good or bad. That leads us to our second avenue for possible solutions. Social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook being held accountable for their role in perpetuating risky behaviors. In my most recent episode, I talked about what it means to be a critical conservationist and how it means that we need to probe the systems of power to ensure healthier land and people. And in our first episode on social media, Bamboozled, we discussed how social networking sites like Instagram, Facebook, and all the rest operate on a profit-generating logic. So maybe, if Instagram is profiting off of the numerous potentially risky selfies being posted to its platform every day, because of the ways these selfies capture our attention and keep us liking, commenting, and scrolling, then maybe it's worth asking if these platforms could do a bit more to protect people and the landscapes they visit. And there actually is precedent for this sort of action. Instagram, for instance, utilizes a feature called Protect Wildlife on Instagram. If you search for sloth selfie or elephant selfie as hashtags, you'll get a pop-up warning you about animal abuse. Still, the pop-up is far from perfect, and I'm definitely not arguing that by using this tactic for dangerous selfies that we'd automatically start saving lives. After all, the pop-up itself can be easily dismissed with the swipe of your thumb. But imagine if there is a warning system that could provide information about potentially dangerous selfie locations on geotags or the likes of dangerous selfies were not displayed to other users, just to further throttle the potential negative social norming ramifications. It would at least be a step in the right direction. I think my big takeaway with this story is that the outdoors will never be free of risk. I certainly think that when people go to national parks and other more developed sites, that they think that risk is somehow mitigated, and that's just not the case. It's Yellowstone National Park, not Disney World. The bison are not robots, they're not trained to be nice to people. People die in national parks every year, either from encounters with wildlife, from falling while climbing, getting lost, drowning, not to mention all the near misses that go totally unreported where people easily could have died or gotten seriously hurt, but got lucky. That doesn't mean that we should all just stop going outdoors, but it does mean that we should plan ahead and prepare by bringing a map, hydration, and other location-appropriate supplies like bear spray or warm clothes, and knowing how to get help if you need it. Perhaps the best thing anyone can do is to equip themselves with some basic first aid and survival knowledge before venturing out. But with each crazy Kilfie story, our attention is lured away from that conversation in favor of one that helps lull us back into complacency about the risks that we're all taking just by existing in the outdoors. It's easy to blame individuals, but when we do that, we entrench all of the existing issues about gender in the outdoors and the so-called right way to experience nature and completely negate talking about real risks and potential solutions to this problem. So, the next time you're out on a hike and want to roll your eyes at someone taking a selfie, think about why that's your go-to response. What does that person look like? Might that have anything to do with your reaction? Are they really doing anything harmful to you or the landscape? Furthermore, 
the next time you see a story about someone who has died while taking a selfie, I hope some more questions start to cross your mind. Would they have been doing that if social media platforms like Instagram weren't constantly rewarding that behavior? Where might they have seen that behavior before that makes them think that it was an acceptable thing to do? Were they really underprepared or inexperienced? Or was it just an unfortunate accident that could have really happened to anyone in the risky space that is the outdoors? Thanks for joining me today for a look at kill fees. I'd love to continue this conversation with you on Instagram at Michelle Goes Outside. If you like this topic, I'd love it if you shared this episode with your outdoor loving friends. I would also like to take a moment to go back to the beginning of this episode just to say, please get the COVID-19 vaccine if you're able. This little shout out will have to do in lieu of a vaccine selfie for now, as podcasts are an audio and not visual platform. Thanks for listening and happy trails.